Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 252 on Tuesday, the 30th of April, 2019. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we'll be talking about how JLR appear to have called a cab. Also, we'll be chatting about some items where we're really charged up about. Hashtag clumsy pun. And we'll warn you to fill your glasses before the and finally. Yeah, I wouldn't have had it hashtag clumsy, to be perfectly honest. But uh, yeah, come on, there's only one piece of follow-up this week. Do you want to rattle through it? Nice and quick. Carlos Ghosn has actually now been granted bail after paying, stumping up $4.5 million, which is 500 million yen, roughly. Also so added in... his four point... Yeah. Was it his $4.5 million? Well, it said he paid it, so <laughs> who knows? Who knows which account it came from? Alleged mm. account. Yes. Allegedly, allegedly his, and allegedly <laughs> something else in there, just to cover ourselves. Uh, but also added to the conditions, there are m- many quite strict conditions, but one of them is that he and his wife are going to have limited access to each other. So it's like he's got to get, they've got to get permission for when she can visit and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it's got to be recorded and it's all. mm. It's so she can't go off and do secret missions on his place. I presume so. But furthering how Gone's defense team is on the front foot, they have made a real big point about how he has been questioned uh, without, uh, for up to 72 hours, I think it was, without uh, his lawyers present which is allowed under Japanese law. So to be saying it looks to me to be furthering the narrative of isn't the legal system a little bit out of kilter with things? Isn't this a little yes. bit barbaric and unfair, etc., etc., that we have seen creeping into the press coverage, particularly Very the Western much. press coverage. As we said last time, this one is important or more important than the others because this is about him line, allegedly lining his own pockets, whereas the other has just been – others have just been misusing the money within the company and channeling it in different places. So we'll have to see again you know, when this finally gets to court. Just to reiterate on this one as well, Gohn is adamant he's done nothing wrong, that he's not guilty of what he's being charged of. Of course, this happened just after we'd recorded last yeah. week. So it was it was the overnight we'd recorded and it came out before that we'd we'd released. I was in the editing morning. it and it I saw the news flash up on Twitter. It's like, oh thank you for that. <laughs> Goodness, you say. Goodness. It's immediately into follow up. <laughs> but this time but this time there was no when he left the prison there was no there were no theatricals, there was no dressing up like a plumber and, and any of that kind of stuff. Uh, it was he Carlos Gohan left the prison and that that was it. There was no there was no trying to disguise it as there had been previously. Yeah, I still don't know why they tried that, but never mind. No, no, me neither. Okay, new news. Well, this one kind of surprised me when I saw it yesterday. Mm. It's a story on motoring research that Jaguar Land Rover may buy the egregious red light hopping minicab, London minicab company, Ad- Addison Lee. <laughs> I say minicab company, they do quite a lot of courier work as, as well there, but they are some of the worst drivers on the road. Private hire firm. Private hire firm, yes, quite. <laughs> so they've been seeing quite a lot of competition from, from Uber and the likes of that, but they are looking, they are rumoured to be up for sale. And it's thought that JLR could be quite a good suitor. That would put them straight into that mobility space. Don't forget that Jaguar uh, have been working with, I was going to say Google, not Google, Waymo. 
in the US anyway, uh, right from when the the iPACE was was launched, and they announced that they were they were they had an agreement for up to twenty thousand of them to go to Waymo to work with their autonomy research. So that might well feed into this to an extent, but not in a sort of we'll have a million driverless cab fleet of your own vehicles that some other companies might have been, you know, hinting at this week. Uh, so, so yes, could, could be interesting. To be honest, Addison Lee cabs weren't driverless and went into autonomy, then I think that there would be a marked improvement in the quality of driving. Okay. There you go. I really like Addison Lee. Can you tell? Yes. yes yeah. I can see you're a big fan. Yes, I saw, you know, before even, there was one in this little state, in my, not in London this morning, and there's temporary traffic lights, which are a pain in the bottom, the roundabout on the way in. And I swear, this morning, an Addison Lee Volkswagen Charan came right out and right through a red, tra- a red traffic light there. And it's just like, come on, come on. You're one of the reasons I avoid driving in London. <laughs> the end of my own street is hardly playing fair here. But maybe maybe they're just getting us used to the autonomous vehicle future where we can't predict what they're going to do and why. Well, yes. As I say, getting rid of them would <laughs> honestly, mate, that it would, there would be, there would be an, an increase in the average quality of driving in London just from, from automating, uh, Addison Lee's 5,000, 5,000 vehicles. <laughs> right. Moving on then. Yes, you didn't realise that was going to be such a hot topic. That's no, I like knew you didn't like them. Privacy. <laughs> you didn't like yeah. them. I just didn't realise it had built up over the day. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is the result of many years. Well, yes, but I mean the the release. <laughs> I will never use them unless they're autonomous. Well, even then, uh, make sure I have all the passcodes before you do that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah I'll put them. I'll update the document. <laughs> There's an Honest John article that has the April roundup of the recalls. And when I started reading this, because of the headline, I thought, oh, it just includes Vauxhall. But no, there are many, many vehicles involved in the list for April right at the bottom. But the main uh, the main headline that's been picked out of this is that Vauxhall is recalling 53,588 Adam and Corsa models built between January 2018 and April 2019 because there might be the nitrogen oxide limits being exceeded, which requires a software update to the engine management system. But <laughs> moving moving down into the, if I can. Have you seen that? I didn't realise that Honest John did this. This is... I didn't either. And I think it's a This is nergasmic, isn't it? Yes. Right. Okay. Cars. Uh, I'm just going to go through the makes. I'm not even going to go through the cars because there's... Uh, I'm just going to go through the makes of what is on the list. There is Audi, BMW, Ford, Jaguar, Range Rover, Mercedes-Benz, Nissan, Porsche, Seat, You've got Skoda. to scroll past all the Mercedes-Benz ones. Yeah, that's what, that's what the gap was. Subaru and obviously Vauxhall, as we've just mentioned. If you have a vehicle made by one of those manufacturers, please click the link in the show notes just to double-check whether you are actually covered by this or not. You should hear from the manufacturer because it's an official recall. Because this comes from the Department of uh, no, Driver and Vehicle Standards Agency. DVSA, yeah. But some of these are quite old vehicles, and it's quite possible they've fallen off manufacturers' radars. Yes. Uh, so, for example, there is one here for the BMW 5 Series and X5. The front drive's airbag may not deploy correctly on activation. That's for vehicles built between April 2000 and September 2003. 
even the latest of those is going to be a, a 15, 16 year old car. Yeah. Do check if you, if you have some of those, uh, right back. The oldest, I mean, that is the oldest one there is, is from the year 2000. But yeah, do, do have a little bit of a look at all sorts of stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's all varieties of things that are, need attention and models involved. So <laughs> that's a, that's an excellent article that I had, I had not seen that before until I saw it tweeted out this week. Yeah. Mm, well, that's cracking stuff. Me neither. <laughs> okay. Let's get on to the first sparking energy article yes. because we've got a few actually this week this is this has not been a deliberate ploy everyone no it, it is not a deliberate theme across the entire week <laughs> this comes from the awesome reader bucket mm. uh, where we've been sent and had something highlighted to us oh, reader listener awesome listener yes bucket where everyone we've, we've knew what sent. he meant it was okay yeah that's good because they're awesome yes that'll be exactly it so just worth mentioning that there's part of the the office for low emission vehicles guidance that as of the 1st of july 2019 to actually qualify for the 500 pound government grant then your home charge point that has to be and i'm going to do imagine i'm doing air quotes smart close the air quotes whatever that particularly means and that there are not very many models that actually conform to that anymore there is a long list and there is there is a list of the it says the evhs approved charge point model list on the gov.uk page however most of the most of the heading is not yet confirmed as eligible after 1st of January 2019. And you can't click the top of it and make it where... No, you, you can't... You, of course you can't filter it or sort it because that would be useful. So everybody with a company beginning with A is going to be very happy because nobody's going to bother scrolling beyond A once they realise what this is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but the vast majority of the, the units which are listed as being sort of currently available really are not yet confirmed as eligible there are 21 units from charge master and polar from eo charging and from podpoint uh, which actually qualify there's three that are kind of pending mm. eligibility to be confirmed soon but other than that if it's anything else then you might not be able to get your five your five hundred pound uh, government grant for a home chargey box uh, after the first of July. Yeah, so either move quickly mm -hmm. or make sure you get the right ones. Yes, absolutely, and yes, yeah. And uh, cheers to the listener who sent that. Yes, thank you very much. On the back of that article coming in, um, I saw one on the BBC News article. This is before we realised there was going to be actually quite a lot of EV or electrification type mm. news, but this is that. The Committee on Climate Change, which is actually a committee or an independent advisory body that was formally set up as part of the Action for Climate 2008 or something like that. But this has been officially sorted out and sanctioned by the government to advise the government. So it's not just... They're not exactly in the middle, though, are they? They are... You know. They are targeting, obviously, climate change mm -hmm. and uh, to mitigate that as quickly as possible. You know, they are they are very much of that focus, yes. But what I'm saying is they're not like one of these think tanks that crops up that who knows how they're sponsored or paid for and all the rest of it, and it all gets very murky. The, these these are sanctioned properly, 
So the government does listen to what they have to say, whether they actually, it's a different mm. matter, but they do actually, they do advise the government. Well, they are politicians. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they, what they stated was that they believe that electric cars will be similar to that of petrol or diesel vehicles by 2024, 25. Now, I'm presuming, I don't know because I don't have their official report, but I'm presuming that's in the cost of buying, not the cost of running. Well, I don't imagine the cost of the cost of running should already be lower, but I imagine that's cost of buying. Yeah. But, of course, that's going to depend on a number of factors, including sort of availability of battery packs being number one. Yeah. So... Uh, just availability of vehicles, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. It's quite an interesting article, actually, on the BBC site. It's not too lefty, organic sandal. It seems to be giving just the facts for a change. Yes. <laughs> Rather yes, than it a, is. It's... A, a leaning one way or the other. But it, but in this, they're saying that the government's policy for 2040, which is why they, they wanted to work out what they when they think the costs will be uh, on parity, but saying the government's 2040 when all cars and vans sold in the UK should be zero emissions isn't actually tight enough that they it, it will be realistic from 2035. And in fact, they really think they should be aiming for 2030. Scotland's aiming for 2032. I don't know quite where they plucked that from. <laughs> but, um, Just... What's a number that's less than the UK What's government? A no, it doesn't have, even have to be less. It just has to be different, Andrew. <laughs> when it comes to the Scottish government, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. We have to be different because we can't be seen to be agreeing. Yeah. I said at the time when the 2040 came in that I thought 2035 was actually doable. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I still think that that is what the aim should be, really. I think 2030 would really be pushing it because that would be one and a half cycles on from now. Yeah, whereas it was around number of cycles was the important bit. Yeah, and I think it was yeah. going to be two cycles out from there, mm -hmm. whereas the 2040 will be two and a half, which will be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It helps get them far enough into the used market, which I think is the, which I think is is possibly the important bit, which gets which gets missed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I didn't. I I don't think that's a terribly bad suggestion to the government. I mean, they they won't listen at the minute because really. they're a little bit busy with something else. Are they? I've not heard much, to be honest. Or maybe I've just stopped. No, I, I have muted everything. I've muted all words yeah. connected. <laughs> Anyway, something that the RAC is doing to help people get over to help people get over range anxiety with EVs and battery electric vehicles was announced today as well, wasn't it? Yeah, they're going to be fitting an in-house developed bit of tech, which is a small a small battery boost or EV boost they call it, which is a mobile charger, so it can give any vehicles that got an out of charge enough enough go juice to get to the nearest proper charging point where they can fill up properly. I think this is a great idea, but what I also think as well is that goes to show how mainstream an EV has become. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, that, it, yeah. that if the support services are now catering for them and their needs or potential needs, then mm -hmm. I think that goes to show how how yeah. they are becoming more commonplace and more of a, a usual thing, which is good. Yeah, which is you know, which is good. Agreed. The point because I thought, gosh, that's going to take them ages to charge, and then realised that I was being a moron. And that, uh, of course, all they need is enough energy to get to the nearest charger, proper grown-up, you know, actual fixed charger, yeah. to get going where they can get a bigger boost. So it's it's got to be better than 
plugging into a 13 amp socket yeah which is the world's slowest way and it's going to be trickier obviously if you're in the middle of wales but you know a bit more remote in wales but i thought yeah th- but there are you're you're less likely to actually run out of charge in that situation than you plumbed. are is that what you're saying <laughs> that's what i'm saying <laughs> then you will then you will if you've been caught out by something are you, are you trying to say that most most proper users will have educated themselves know the foibles and requirements of driving an ev vehicle so will have planned things rather than just jump in and presume they can stop wherever they like i think that pl- that the use of your use of the word planning makes it sound like something far more grandiose than just having an awareness. I think people are more likely to get caught out rather than, you know, caught out by by glitches or poor infrastructure yeah. where there should be, have been infrastructure or infrastructure was expected at the point of making sure there was an awareness of charger locations. Yep, absolutely. I concur. Rather than rather than sitting down and planning meticulously to say, well, we should be stopping here at this time, which I think is what, what people always... That yeah, no, that's what, yeah, it, does, it does imply that. And there's only insane lunatics who try and drive around a country in six days who need to do that. Most people, it's not an issue. Yes. More coming on that at the end of the week. Anyway. Should we, should we move on to not requiring a plug at all, Alan? Yes. Well, some of you remember that I spent quite a lot of time in... Oslo a little while ago and Oslo Central Station which many of you will realize from even my distinct lack of Norwegian accent there is the Oslo Central Station it's a spelling joke don't don't worry about it we weren't (laughs) is no I'm sure (laughs) is going to be one of the first metropolitan areas in the world to actually install wireless induction based charging and the idea is that such a high percentage or or they're trying to drive such a high percentage of the city's vehicles towards being towards being electric and and taxis are key amongst those just need to have a small charge whilst they're waiting and this will mean that the that the taxis will be able to keep on moving forwards down the rank and keep on charging without having to sort of go no 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 the next station is not clear unplug move forward a bit plug <laughs> or whatever but they'll be able to keep on going and keep on charging at, at the same time which is kind of cool really isn't it no it is because they want their whole taxi system uh, services hmm. to be um, uh, zero emission by 2023. So they yeah. want to be ahead of the game on the 2025 market for the public. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's a it's just a rare demonstration of the problems being thought through and possible solutions being implemented. There's a special remember the special circumstances in Norway which is which is any internal combustion engine car has traditionally been taxed so incredibly heavily that the the tax cuts and rebates and and allowances that you get for an EV or for a an alter or, or for a zero emissions vehicle can be incredibly generous mm. without the manufacturer losing out and to an extent without the government losing out, which is why let's say a third of third of all new vehicles in Norway are are electric. Yeah, and they have a sovereign fund as well. Oh, they do. Yes, but they don't use it on this. Remember, it's all funded by oil, oil money anyway. Yeah. If we go back far enough in everything, it's all evil. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, they sell the yeah, yeah. I know, and all their own energy is is hydro, and yeah, <laughs> and renewables are like that. So yeah, so induction, a uh, taxi ranks. I mean, they will have to to they will have to sort of have a, a little bit of a bolt on on the bottom, you know, on the bottom of the vehicles to actually be able to receive 
received the magic beams. But yeah, induction is is really quite cool. Yep, I think so. Uh, we think that that's that's going to be rather fun, and it's a great place to test it because most of the taxi rank is undercover there as well, so it gets a certain amount of protection from the elements. Although mm. you know, cold and stuff is pretty serious there. Because if you can make that work, and people can have them installed on driveways, or if they're in multi-store, you know, public car parks as well, then it just it, again it removes that actual stroke perceived mm -hmm. hurdle that charging or running out of charge is going to be an issue and the induction is pretty much as as i mean it is only a percentage or two less efficient than actually plugging in it is fantastically fantastically efficient way more so than you think right moving on to uh another well this is the last ev story so we better warn people because it, it does seem to have been a bit of a theme well, it, it makes a nice change from dieselgate yeah it's sort, sort of ev but this is that the center for london which is a think tank focused on funnily enough london <laughs> and the problems that are about in the capital and how to mitigate them or improve daily life and what they were focusing on was looking at all the different charging systems there are in the capital. There's tunnels, there's tolls for that, there's the congestion charge, there's now the ULES. And they are suggesting, and having read this article, I think quite sensibly, actually, they are suggesting that all these get amalgamated into one charge per mile, although what you are charged per mile does depend on your vehicle. Mm -hmm. But but that's and not And the other fair. thing they wanted... What? Well, if I'm only driving in the West End, why am I paying for infrastructure in the East End? Well, because you may go to the East End at some point. That's, I mean, that, that's the most obvious wins you can see out of this. So, so are, are you saying, well, yeah, but that's the NHS argument as it well, is, isn't it? yes. Why am I paying my national insurance Which when I haven't had open heart surgery? Yeah, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> so, but what they're also saying is part of this would be a an app that would map out your proposed route and show you all the options you have. So it would be walking, cycling, the car, public transport. And uh, from that, you could make an informed choice because in that would show you the costs and it would also show you the environmental impact is what they're suggesting it should yeah, do well, and show you the environmental impact of what that journey would do. Which I think is really interesting because then people can make an informed, educated choice because they've got the information rather than that car's just dirty or, well, actually, it's not practical for me to cycle because I've got to go across these particular junctions and it's not really safe to do that. I'd have to go a different way. Mm -hmm. you know, or actually the public transport won't get me where I need to go on the time I need it to go there. So I need to either leave earlier or, you know, something like that. So people will know. Um, but the, but one of the key points for me was it was just this one app. Yeah. It's something you talked about because that really hit home when you explained what you wanted from a mobility service mm -hmm. was just to go to one place and say, here I am. I want to go there by this time. How do I do it? Please, I will pay you this, this service, the money. You sort it out to the various people. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I'm just wondering why I'm hesitating quite so much. It's because I am quickly checking the TFL app because or the TFL website on mobile, which is awfully slow tonight. It's possibly because I'm using up all my bandwidth recording a podcast, of course. But it's the TFL website is actually rather good at doing this already. It's just okay. adding an extra layer. I mean, it, it would be better if it was actually, you know, hurrying up and fetching the results 
uh, rather than just showing me the, the nice little little animation. But it already starts off with walk time between points and works its way through. I was just trying to remind myself if it did actually show things like CO2 emissions and that kind of thing. Look at that, my little Hilton Holloway new bus for London. Because, because I think that, that people seeing the direct impact, because it will change if they if it is implemented correctly and you are charged say on your particular vehicle you will obviously put your registration in Mm -hmm. and it will understand that you've got either the very latest diesel therefore it's really quite clean compared to a 15 year old diesel that is less so and you you should get differing results on co2 nitrogen oxides Mm -hmm. but therefore air quality and that sort of thing yeah exactly it it doesn't show me on the mobile app here it does give me an idea of of of, i'm trying to do it so andrew can see it does give me an idea of costs and all these kind of things that's probably blurry Mm -hmm. i'm sorry but yeah it did so an extension of that sounds pretty sensible yeah you say well i'm going to do this journey click it involves a little bit of pre-planning folks so there will doubtless be an outcry but i think for all the ways they could do it sounds pretty sensible yeah build into that the fact i can click it and go right okay every time i scan my phone or whatever i'd uh on you know when i'm changing from from being by on uh, uh a tube to a bus to whatever then i can still have paid through the app brilliant and then if it spots your car it automatically takes the payment yeah well that's, you know, that's what, what i'm two thinking, days yeah. two two three days later or something like that if it spots it on the uh ampr stuff it'll be exactly the same that would seem the sensible way to do yeah. it no but well i was thinking that you say i'm going to do this and it's got your number plate so it knows where you should be yeah yeah amazingly we are um or I am almost praising something you are. to do with the uh, Well, it was mobility. one of these articles, and it was in Greenfleet, by the way, and as yes. ever, link in the, the show notes, where we both, when we saw the heading, thought, oh, that might be a bit, uh, uh, as I said earlier on, uh, earlier on organic sandily, and actually started reading, and it was like, oh, oh, this, this seems quite sensible, actually. Yeah. I, I almost like this suggestion. So, uh, yeah. I think we're about halfway. Well, thereabouts, uh, but it is, whether we're halfway or not, it's time for Guilt Minute uh, at that point in the show. We remind you to think back and consider what the motoring podcast is worth for you. If you feel it's worth a small amount of your hard-earned cash, then please do head to motoringpodcast.com and click on the orange Become a Patron button right there on the front page. We noticed there are new patrons over the last couple of weeks. Thank you so very much. And if you are already a patron, have been a patron for some time, then thank you as well. It really is, it really is brilliant. We we hugely value your your contribution uh, to to what we do. Yes, we understand, of course, that not everyone has the ability to do this. So please don't forget to like, rate, and leave feedback via the podcast player of your choice. If you've done all that, then you really are wonderful. How's about accosting a friend who you think would enjoy this, preferably, and telling them all about us. If for some reason you listen but don't actually subscribe to the show, how's about doing so for free? Which means that we will come to you every episode without the anxiety and worry that you will miss out on the next new show. Good podcast apps are available for free on all platforms. If you're stuck, if you're not sure how to do that, do please get in touch with us. Uh, All the different ways are at the end of the show as usual. Or just Ask on Twitter and someone will help you. We have mm-hmm. awesome listeners. I, I say that a lot, but we do, and it's it's true. So, yeah, get in touch if you're not sure how to do any of that, and we will happily help. Yes. Formula E. Yes. The one, it was the one that had the um, Blackpool Tower in the background. I saw it a couple of times on the highlights. It was, yes. It was the Black Formula E was in Blackpool. 
And as I was sitting there watching, I was actually watching a rerun. I didn't watch it live. I was watching the, the full race on the BBC iPlayer on Sunday evening due to the distinct lack of other motoring shows that are on on Sunday evenings. And I was just sitting there thinking, I love the Paris E-Prix. It is in the best location of any of the Formula E races. It, to me, is, is it's as close as it gets to being the sort of Monaco of Formula E, unless, of course, Formula E are actually racing in Monaco again. But you mean in a week Saturday? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's uh, every two years because it, yeah. it swaps with the Monaco historics. But for me, most years you sit there and you look at it and you think, that's, that's how it should be. I, I don't. I'm not wonderfully keen on these sort of out-of-the-middle-of-town race tracks, but Paris has the ability to shut down the area around Anvalide, which has, you know, you can you can see uh, you can see Place de la Concorde in the background. You can see the Eiffel Tower. You can see the the Hotel Particulier uh, around that part of Paris, and it just looks like Paris. And I was just thinking yes. that, thinking how delightful that would be to be there. When the hailstones started and the snow started and the rain started. And this was the 50th Formula E race. And it was the first properly wet Formula E race. So it was a bit different. I mean, it was still incident filled because it's Formula E, but there was less of the crash and there was less of the uh, the knocking into each other that that you see in that that angers that angers people uh, quite so much, and understandably. Really, because the highlights I was yes, watching, but, there seemed an awful lot of it because I didn't see the whole race. in problem. Now, hang on, I'm not quite finished yet. So you mm. know where normally they do that in the dry race. Well, this time because it was very very wet and there were like hailstones and stuff, it still kind of happened, but not but. Not in the way that it normally happens. There was quite a lot of into the into. There was quite a lot of into the barriers. To be honest, I think they handled it slightly different. I think they were they went yellow flag and hoped they could sort it before. De- whereas in the past they have deployed the re- some of the races have needed a red flag. Clearly, you know, yeah. like when what's his name leapt out of his car. Yes, that's you know the sweary that is, race. That is yeah. automatically a red flag. <laughs> they can't but avoid they- that. But I thought there was a couple of incidents, particularly at the end of the the straight coming mm. before the the tight right hander. And I thought you could easily have red flagged that because there's two cars in that barrier and people are still coming towards you. But they made it full course yellow, so you're doing 35 kilometers an hour or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, it's 50 kilometers. 50 kilometers, 30 miles an hour. Yeah. So they mm. they did handle it differently. They kept the race going. It was it was brilliant watching. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, the skill level, considering when, particularly when the hail came down, there there looked to be. Less than zero mm. grip. Exactly. Well, that, <laughs> just that, looked and, awful. and that was the root cause of much of. Yeah, this. I mean, I, I, yeah, when the accidents happened under those conditions, you know, the people just slid on. That's that's understandable. The other no thing is, you've got to remember that. that parts of this course are actually. I mean, the roads are there all the time, but parts of it are laid specifically for this track. In that they, one week they go and they they lay temporary tarmac over cobblestones, mm. and then the week after the race they go and lift up the temporary tarmac and recycle it and to be used somewhere else as the uh, commentary was was keen to point out anyway who won oh uh sorry yes well it, to be honest by the end of it i didn't really care i, I was too busy enjoying <laughs> the action all the time uh, it was robin freens however who won uh, he started from third between oliver Ro- behind oliver Earl and sebastian buemi but they both had issues in the early part of the race not in the crash and bash zone and so he ends up at the front and and ended up 
staying there. It was a, a cracking, a cracking drive, really. He benefited from the fact that the race was slow for a lot of the time because he had damage to his front left splitter, mm. didn't he? Mm-hmm. It was beginning to flap a little bit loose when they were at full pelt, and then they kept having to slow down because of the weather and the the, the yellow flags. Mm. And I think that allowed him to sort of get away with it. Yeah, agreed. So Roman Friends, of course, drives for Envision Virgin Racing. Second was Andre Lotterer from DS to Cheetah. They raced to Cheetah. Uh, and third was Daniel Abd from Audi Sport Abd Schaeffler. Fourth, Lucas Degrassi. And fifth, somebody Gunter, whose first name I cannot remember. That's his first points. It must be, the... because, well, he's Pensk EV3 team. Yeah, it's the first points. I remember seeing something mm-hmm. about that. But the other thing is, obviously, with friends winning, he's the eighth winner in eight races. Yeah. Eight different winner in eight races, which is a... I mean, that must surely be coming to an end next race of the race well, that's after. that's what we say be. every time, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so now we're... I wonder what the odds are on that. Not that we're in condoning or encouraging betting, but no. I wonder what that is. Uh, Robbie Freen also got the fastest lap as well. Yeah, that puts him at the front of the championship, I believe, by a point. Actually, fastest lap in the top ten. Uh, yes, it does. It does, but only just. As ever in the show notes, there will be a roundup of the race from eRacing365. And there is also the post-race notebook mm-hmm. for that. But that's not the only Formula E news, is it? Yes. Formula E is set to become an official world championship in the 2020-2021 season. It's been officially recognized by the FIA as a world championship, as it has four automobile makes participating yeah. over the entire season. So there we go. Well, congratulations to all the team for doing yeah. that. So, so theoretically, it could have been for season two or season three, but I don't, it seems that they're, they're certain enough of it that, that, that it's it's there. And it's, you know, you wouldn't want to do it season two only for somebody to pull out in season three and then you'd not be a world championship because that's quite embarrassing and bad. So it's obviously been waiting until there was, there was a, you know, a, a, a critical mass in there, which is fab. Good work, everyone. Mm. No, well done, because I, I know they've been working some time to get mm. that. So. WRC Rally Argentina was, was, was last weekend's race of attrition. Yes, it was. Added to the normal attrition we have come to expect and love stroke hate, depending on whether you're affected by it or you'll benefit from it. The weather made the conditions quite unpredictable on the Friday morning. Mm. Don't worry, this week, this week you are not going to get a virtual stage-by-stage stage review because I didn't watch the uh, highlights. I'll make sure I can for next time. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do it in a, 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 a <sighs> quiet week and a long week. <laughs> but at the end of it, uh, Nouveau came in first with Mickelson second, so it was a 1-2 for Hyundai. Uh, on Friday, Nouveau initially struggled and he dropped as far as ninth to end up by the end of the day uh, he'd taken the lead again from Ot Tannock, Toyota, who had to retire on Saturday afternoon because he had battery charge issues. He couldn't quite make it mm-hmm. through, so he came back and did the the, the WRC2 that they do when they've got their, their vehicles repaired yeah. and they just put some miles in and test. So he ended up 8th or ninth. Uh, I'm just going to double-check that. 8th. Ogier and Meek had a right old ding-dong. Meek was in third, but then he got a 10-second penalty for cutting a, a gate that Ogier had belted <laughs> earlier in the day. So <laughs> I don't know whether he was doing... Like I say, I haven't seen the highlights on this one, so I don't know whether he was doing that to avoid the fact that it was in a poor condition or he just decided, forget it, we'll, we'll skip that one. But both Citroen and M Sport had said to officials, 
this needs to be investigated. Mm-hmm. So uh, Meek lost out on that one. Yeah. <laughs> he had he had actually got up to third on the last day, but then uh, OGA put in the uh, put in the hard yards and, and ended up third. What it meant at the end of it is that in the driver standings for the overall, Nouveau is on 110, OGA is on 100, and Octanic is on 82. And then it's quite a drop back to Chris Meek on 54. Mm-hmm. Did you, Alfred Evans is fifth. Did you see his crash, by the way? Yes, I did see his crash, which um, <laughs> yeah. it didn't look like much until it, he hit the rock, and then it went terribly badly no, awful. It was, it was slightly off, which but catchable apart from that great big rock that was in the way. And then, yeah, it was one of it these. Made a, it, it, I, the way it tipped him over as well I, was I don't know how they just got, the wrong angle, wrong speed and everything. But I just don't know how they got the car back out of there again. Yeah. yeah. Did you see the, uh, I think there was a Citroen that no, went over no, as well. That was the only one I saw. I can't remember. I'm just trying to see if it's in here. It doesn't seem to be uh, in this auto car article. But there was a Citroen, uh, not, obviously not from Ogier, came around the corner, flipped over and over and over and... They got it racing the next day because the roll cage hadn't deformed at all. They just changed some panels. It's crazy. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's, crazy. it's it's fantastic that, that 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 they are that safe though. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Should we move on to a lunchtime read? Yes, uh, this is a lunchtime read or homework, as we can call yes. it for everyone. Well, it does feel a bit like that. Yes, it's it's the road to WLTP really, and Autocar have a fantastic long form article all about WLTP, what it is what the testing was, the challenges that manufacturers, big and small, faced, why it's not really worldwide, a look at Mercedes' emission lab, etc., etc., etc. Cracking work by Rachel Burgess and James Atwood to put this together. It, yeah. It's a really good read. Yeah, because they, they asked some questions which are pertinent that, you know, we, we are asking ourselves, you know, why would you do it this, why that? So it's, and they go on to explain it. So it's, it's a really good article. So do go and, do go and read it because then you will understand when we mention them because we are only going to be mentioning WLTP figures from now on because the NEDC don't matter, when, particularly when we do our reviews. Mm-hmm. But you'll, you'll understand now the extra lengths manufacturers have to go to. And why some of them basically had to slice large swathes out of their ranges to, to get them tested in time and stuff. Mm. Yep. It's a goodie. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, safe, cheap car. List of the week. Yes. These are 2019's cheapest vehicles with five-star NCAP ratings. And... So, cheapest, the limit was under £20,000, wasn't it? I think so, I, yeah. I, I, my trouble is I'm at the end of the slides here, and I'm now having to click back through all 22 slides to get right back to the beginning. And it's an MSN article from Motoring Research, so just be careful which buttons you click, because some activate an advert rather than the slides. Yes, <laughs> yeah, you'd have to be slightly <laughs> careful there. But the first one on the list is the Suzuki Ignis mm-hmm. with a safety pack, which is... Uh, an optional extra of £750. Yes, it's under £20,000, by the way, is the, okay. is the key. But yeah, there's a... It, what amazes me going through this is actually the the range of vehicles uh, that there are in there of all sorts of sizes. Mm. I mean, they they start out at the super mini size mm. and they they move upwards. Toyota Yaris is in there from... Just thought I'd mention yeah, that. Drink. Yeah, drink. Uh, as, as is the... Oh, no, that's the C3 Aircross. I keep getting my small Citroëns mixed up. They all look the same now. They are... Quite similar mm. now. Yes, that is true. But there's everything. That is true. You know, there's Hyundai i30s in there, the Suzuki Vitara, there's the Seat Arona, 
some of these I'm surprised they're under the £20,000 mark. Uh, it's the Hyundai Kona, the Vauxhall Crossland X. There you go. It's got five stars and safety. Mm. But yeah, if you are looking for a car and you do want it to be a safe car and to be under £20,000... Then um, yep. uh, then then this is a this is a pretty decent list and a pretty good good starting point. And it's, it's interesting to see that even at that price point, the manufacturers can make it available. Mm-hmm. I know with some it's optional extras, but they they're still able to make that sort of system. But the, yeah, but these ones they only got the prices for the ones that featured that particular that featured. It's the price of the car plus the appropriate options to fit it into that. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Okay, everyone, charge your glasses. Alan is about to give us the and finally. Oh, well, the and finally. There is quite a good it, one. Of course, it's quite a good one. It, it's, yeah, it's Toyota's own mini Nurburgring. Well, they say it's mini Nurburgring. Really, it is a handling circuit, which is part of part of Toyota's new technical center, Shimoyama, which is part of a massive new complex they're building, where the aim is to, to basically build a big test facility that includes this 300 billion yen which is 2.68 billion dollars which i don't have a translation for in pounds many 3.3 mile test track which look at the pictures it looks a bit like a, a sort of slightly fancier version of millbrook really where it, it's got a huge elevation change across that distance and many many twisty turny corners they put in a hotel there as well i don't believe so <laughs> now one could be cynical here and 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 ask, why aren't other manufacturers doing this? Is it perhaps because the the chief, the head honcho, the boss man, does like to drive his cars rather a lot and is a bit of a petrol head? And I am not saying that is a bad thing in any stretch of the imagination. I am saying this must be one of the most attractive reasons to go and work at Toyota. Yeah, it's well, yeah, <laughs> but it's um. I think a lot of it is to do with the fact that it is darned expensive and not many motor manufacturers can. I mean, Milbert was built by General Motors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, you know, the one of the, the, the European the European test centers before they, they spun it off. And I don't believe that Milbert, I believe it's 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 owned by, by someone else now. They did actually sell it off. But there's, here in the UK, you've got that, you've got Myra. And Myra doesn't, I don't believe it has a handling circuit. I've never been past. Mm. You know, I've driven past it, but I've never actually been in like like Milbrooks. So, so yeah, it, it's it's like that. It seems to be a, a sort of Toyota specific version of the Millbrook Hill route, but where each of the corners is inspired by the Nurburgring. They yeah. probably don't have a fifty mile an hour limit on it. Either. <laughs> so yeah, it looks awesome. But the 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 sort of graphic for this Toyota supply graphic for this shows that this sort of this sort of twisty turny Nurburgring styley hill route. It shows uh, high speed ball, uh, a number of straights, uh, skid pan. Uh, all these kind it's of like things, a drag strip. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks, it looks like a sort of Japanese version of milk. No, it's actually kind of cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. And sadly, you'll never be able to drive it. But there we go. Not only because it's not, in, it's in Japan, but yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah, only, only a special few. Yes. Fantastic. That's it. Yeah. Uh, what do we have? What do we have as far as parish notes are concerned this week? There'll be a. There was a rear view out last Friday. Mike Goodwin, who is the global PR manager for Jaguar Land Rover Special Operations, which also covers the classics. Mm-hmm. So there's that. 
I had a, it was great to chat to mm-hmm. him. We have a special edition coming out this Friday, which we recorded last night, which is going to be brilliant. Yes. I think everyone will really enjoy that. It's another round table. So you don't just have to listen to us waffle on. You actually get to hear from experts and people who know what they're talking about. And this about. time we've remembered to shut up and let the experts speak. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> it was as if we both had post-it notes on our screens. I, I didn't, <laughs> by the way. So yeah, yeah, so there's lots of stuff coming out or out or coming out. I'll get there eventually. One of these times I'll be able to to, to, to speak. Will be published. Will be published. Yes, quite that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <sighs> Right, shall we round off? I think so. Just time, really, folks, to remind you that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts, ask us how to download a podcast player via at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Don't forget about our patron, available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please, please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing, it really does matter. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is if you search for Crack Windscreen on Twitter, you'll find me there. And Alan, if people are worried that you're perhaps not getting enough sleep, one of the best ways for them to ask you that directly... <laughs> do you want me to go back and record, re-record that bit? No, no, no. no. too late now. Uh, then... <laughs> The answer is no, I'm not getting enough sleep. And you can tell me how I should be getting more sleep uh, on Twitter, where I'm at HJP Bradley. We'll be back next week. Well, Andrew will. I'm not 100% certain because the thing I meant to say was that I might not be on next week because I will be in Bucharest. Okay. So um, I don't know what the the Wi-Fi is going to be like. We may may chat about that after then. So Andrew will definitely be back next week. Uh, Until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.